Why should I be frightened of dying? There's no reason for it. You've got to go sometimes. Hello, welcome to the Sam Reed's Near-Death Experiences podcast. I hope you're doing well wherever you are. I apologize for the length of time that it's been since the last episode. There's kind of been a lot going on. I've been traveling a lot. There have been some personal things going on in my life with my family. Uh, Nashville, where I live, got hit by a tornado. Um, I'm fine and there was no damage, but... Um, and then we have coronavirus here now and just all this stuff. Um, <laughs> I had a three-hour-long podcast that I was working on, but ultimately it did not uh, end up coming together the way I wanted to, so I had to scrap that. That was this past week. So kind of a lot of different things going on, and I just wanted to get something out there even if this is going to be a somewhat shorter episode, um, I just wanted to put something out there. So uh, I found one that I thought was very interesting. I always talk about how I want to find different near-death experiences from around the world to, uh, to understand the wide variety that uh, NDE can take. And in this case, we have another near-death experience coming from China. And I thought it was very interesting because of it. It doesn't quite, it's quite different from what uh, some of the usual near-death experiences that, that we might be used to usually play out. It's, it's quite, uh, it's, it's quite, uh, there's not a lot going on in it. There's, it's, it's quite almost bureaucratic. And so I thought it was a very interesting interesting thing to explore of, of what we might be able to talk about in, in this particular near-death experience. So this one is coming from a man named Zhao Yu, and he had a, a, a severe illness in 2018 and fell into a coma and had a near-death experience. And this was posted quite recently on the nderf.org website, uh, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, and I will post the link to the, to the story in the description of this podcast. And I highly recommend you all go check out that website because it's a great resource for learning more about near-death experiences. So I think with that, we can dive right into it. This is Zhao Yu's near-death experience. In 2018, a sudden and severe illness put me into a coma and in the ICU for some time. As I was in a coma, that was the time I felt so close to the other realm. One proverb says, People will drift into the places where they are most desired for before their impending death. I was unconscious and on a ventilator, yet I knew I was dying. My consciousness left my body like a stream of thin green smoke, and then I hovered up to the ceiling. I watched the doctors and nurses working on me as I glimpsed down on my lifeless body 
lying still on the hospital bed. Slowly, all my surroundings became smaller and smaller. My soul arrived on a hill where the meadow was filled with cute, tiny, brilliant flowers. There was a brick house at the foot of the hill. My grandmother and I used to live there when I was age 5 to age 13, before my parents brought me home to live with them. This place was peaceful, and I felt at ease. Next, I floated to a dim, greenish-colored warehouse-like building where it was crowded with so many people. They were lined up in sequence and marching forward, and from my viewpoint, they were not talking to each other. At this moment, I knew I had died. I felt relieved and was indifferent to my children, parents, any worries or burdens. Later, we were asked by several guys in uniform to enter into a lobby to wait for a number to be called up. It reminded me of getting a number and waiting in a bank. One of the uniformed guys told me, You are the next. Don't walk about. You have to come forward when it is your turn. I nodded silently to confirm my understanding. There was a lady standing behind me whom I could not see her face. I could hear her saying that she used to drive fancy cars and lived in a mansion. So she felt no regret after death. She continued to criticize the rest of us for not having nice clothes to wear. Then the people all around me were scolding her, including those in uniforms, saying that she was a mistress who destroyed other people's families and that she deserved to be killed in a car accident. I was musing to myself that my life was so boring when compared to hers. One of the guys in uniform came up to me with a list and said, What is your name? I answered, I am Zhao Yu. Then he looked at me and said, No, not you. You are the one who did not deserve to die yet. Suddenly, this announcement was repeated through radio broadcasting. It is not your time. You are the least one who deserved to die here. I was plunged into a wave of blankness afterwards. The scene below me was chaotic. I heard so many beeping sounds coming from the ventilator and monitoring machines in the ICU. I was surprised to find out after regaining consciousness that I had been in a coma for 14 days. Several resuscitations were performed on me during the time I was out. Once I was out of the critical state, I was moved to a patient ward for the next 15 days before my discharge from the hospital. I would be seen by the doctors near my village. While recovering, I could not walk, was unable to urinate, and was confined to a wheelchair with a catheter on me. During my physical therapy, I thought I might need to pay back my karmas. Otherwise, I would be fixed on a wheelchair for the rest of my life until I die again. I had forgotten many things while in coma, except for this vivid experience that seemed like it happened yesterday. Later, I had told my story to the religious elders after I was discharged from the hospital. 
They told me that I came back because I had not fulfilled my purpose, so they let me come back. They also said, What you seed and reap, if you plant good causes, you must enjoy prosperity. If you plant the bad causes, you must continue to practice and survive to mend the karmas. I miraculously got better. Not only can I run super fast, but also I became normal as everyone else at work as well as daily life. Until now, you must think what I had told you was ridiculous, and believe me, I felt the same as you do. I was an atheist who believes that a person's consciousness ceases upon death. You don't have to believe in God, but you can't disregard the karmas. Okay, so that was Zhao Yu's near-death experience. So there were a couple reasons why I wanted to read this account. Um, first one being that it is a non-Western near-death experience. We have read a couple near-death experiences from China, a couple from Thailand as well, and a couple from other other countries around the world, but like like I often say, I, I want to to try and talk about the full gamut of what a near-death experience can be. And this story ended up being quite different from perhaps some of the Western Christian type of near-death experiences that we might be a little more used to. But it's important to me and, and hopefully interesting to you all to hear the wide variety of what these experiences can look like. Because I certainly want to know, uh, you know, all the different varieties and, and, and the different things that people see and experience. So in this case, I was very interested because Zhao Yu uh, is an atheist, according to this story, and he has, he still has a, a, a near-death experience, although it, it's kind of devoid of some of the usual images and, and, and symbolic uh, symbolic forms that we might be used to of, of perhaps the light or an angel or, or some of those things. Interesting that it does have a sort of serene garden that he finds himself in, but we'll get to that when we, when we come to it. But it doesn't have many of the common features that we perhaps have come to expect with some Western Christian near-death experiences. And so I think we, this is a fine opportunity for us to, to learn some more about what a near-death experience can be. So we begin by he's got a disease, he's got an illness, he's, he falls into a coma, and then he notices that, or, or I guess the point of view of, of consciousness is a little unclear here, but his, he says that his consciousness left his body like a stream of, of green smoke. And that is a very interesting image in itself, uh, we've talked about the color green before. I think we did that with Layla's near-death experience. But um, so green, uh, you know, what comes to mind is is life, vegetation, um, even death with 
putrefaction and decay. So it's kind of got a, a, a play of opposites in it as, as a color that, that represents the living and dying process, perhaps. And I tried to look up and see if there were any other um, specifically Chinese associations with the color green. I found that it is often associated with health, with harmony. So those are very um, good, I guess, good qualities for this, uh, I don't know, action to, uh, of the consciousness leaving the body to, to take that particular symbolic form of, of having the color green. Also, the fact that it rises like smoke, I mean, that's a very ancient, ancient kind of symbolic way of expressing the ascension of, of perhaps the soul, of, of something spiritual, right? The, the sacrifices made to the gods were burned on the altar, and the smoke carried the offerings up to the gods. I mean, that's just universal almost in its and its symbolic meaning, and interesting how that's the form that it took uh, to see his consciousness or the experience of his consciousness leaving his body. And then we get a, a classic near-death experience trope of looking down upon the body, looking down upon the hospital room of doctors and nurses and all that stuff going on. He mentions that the his surroundings get smaller and smaller, uh, as as if I don't, I don't know a kind of shrinking action, um, which perhaps in some cases is related to the move movement through a tunnel, but in this case he finds himself on a beautiful meadow with a hill, uh, with flowers all around, and there was a brick house that he stayed up at as a child where he lived with his grandmother. And he says that this brings him a lot of peace. And so this is, is somewhat akin to some, some other near-death experiences, although most of the ones I've read don't usually feature a, a, personal, uh, a personal place or a personal home or something. It's usually something somewhat impersonal. So that is, is somewhat unique in this case, that he, it's like he's returning to a memory or, or, or whether the memory of this house is being incorporated into this different landscape of a serene garden with flowers. He then finds himself in a, a, a warehouse type of building with line of people and, and, People in uniforms, kind of keeping keeping order as people are going along, and he realizes that he's died at this moment, and feels an indifference towards his children, his parents, towards his life. I suppose, which is fairly common. I mean, people report feeling indifferent upon seeing their body when they're floating above. There's kind of a apathy that people tend to express towards towards their life and but at other times people the the mechanism or the spur to return to the body is often the thought of one's children one's life things that have to be done 
So there are all there also is that aspect of it which in Zhao Yu's case he he doesn't feel. He's he's kind of content to be dead and where he's at. Interesting that it is it, it's almost kind of a bureaucracy is is kind of the image that I'm I'm taking away from this. He he enters a lobby and he has to take a number and they're waiting in line. And he's about to be called next, next in line. He says it feels like a bank. And then they hear this lady talking about how she lived in a mansion and drove cars and everything. And everybody starts yelling at her. And apparently the truth is revealed that she wasn't a very good person and ruined a lot of people's lives by uh, adultery and that she deserved to die. And so there, there is this kind of moral karmic element going on in this story. And, and that features quite promin- prominently in, in his thoughts about his experience and when he comes back to the body, saying that you don't have to believe in God, but you can't deny karma. And... So he, he gets told that it's not his time, and he, he's not supposed to be here. He didn't deserve to die, and then he finds himself back in his body. So there's a lot of stuff there that we can start to parse, I suppose. For one, this kind of, <laughs> this kind of impersonal, bureaucratic sort of lines of people in a lobby is, is interesting that that the experience would take that form. Now, he is an atheist, and so presumably he does not have any particular affinity to, to religion or religious imagery, and yet the experience still has, to, well, I don't know if has to, but on its own accord takes the form of a sort of processing, a, a bureaucratic, impersonal uh, line, a cue, <laughs> and and that is is the form it takes, and so it just makes me want to emphasize that we we will experience whatever we experience. You know, your beliefs will probably color or flavor or clothe the experience in a certain imagery, a certain symbolic form, and we don't know to what degree, uh, to, uh, to what degree Zhao Yu had any spiritual inclinations. If he was just purely atheistic about work, you know, along for the ride, not having any spiritual side to him at all, maybe, maybe this is the perfect form for him to experience. Uh, a kind of clean, sanitized, boring, uh, you know, lobby. <laughs> it's very hard to say. Clearly, this is the this is the guise that the experience decided to to take, and so that must have been what he needed in that moment. And there, we can't make any any moral or or any judgments based on what somebody sees when they, people see what they see and their
brave enough to to want to talk about it and I, I i completely have nothing but respect for that and so it's it's a very interesting thing to see based on people's beliefs what they end up seeing and experiencing and if it's not clear by now we cannot kind of like i said before we can't put one experience over another or or judge as you know Sally's near death experience was more true than Zhao Yu's or something if they're all equally valid experiences in whatever form they take it is just interesting to see how the experience the psyche the totality of of whatever we enter into upon death decides and takes forms autonomously which may or may not line up with people's uh, strongly or loosely held beliefs so in this case a series of <laughs> lines and people waiting in line to uh with with guys in uniforms and and checklists is is what Zhao Yu's experience called for but at the same time you do have that very sweet personal serene aspect of the beginning of the experience of being at this childhood home um which perhaps is is a very comforting thing especially in something as as scary as as leaving one's body and presumably dying that where he lands at least is is a very comforting peaceful type of place before moving on to this other section of the experience another detail i suppose that i thought worth pointing out is that at least in some of the near death experiences from thailand that we've talked about before this motif of mistaken identity is is very interesting and and perhaps something more prevalent in in asian near death experiences than than perhaps western or or european near death experiences this oh you're not on the list kind of thing of oh no it's not your time oh we went to get this other guy with the same name that sort of thing this mistaken identity it's uh you're not in the book you're not on the list sort of thing i mean you do get some of that in in western near death experiences but it it seems to at least have been uh, somewhat of a pattern with with the ones we've read so far and so i thought that was that was interesting and that might reflect a, a certain uh cultural conception of 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 what happens after one dies uh, i mean it it could i i don't know what would account for that but interesting pattern nonetheless and so he he gets to return to his body due to uh his karma that he it is he kind of spells it out that here's this lady that is the most <laughs> deserving to die i guess of all the people around there who who caused all this trouble and was was talking down to everybody because they were poor or something and she thought she was all hot with her rich clothes and driving cars and living in mansions and all that stuff where whereas uh 
he uh, Zhao Yu gets told by the guard with the the checklist that he is the least deserving to die, and so he must return. And so then when he returns, he's he's in a bad shape for a while and is concerned with his karma. He thinks that that he he must start paying back his karma or he is going to be stuck in a wheelchair. And then speaking to the elders, the religious elders, telling telling them presumably what he went through, they tell him that you plant good seeds and you'll have prosperity, you plant bad seeds and you will always keep coming back to, to pay off that karma. And so this is very karmically based, which, I mean, that makes sense because in the East, the idea of karma is, is particularly prevalent and, and widespread. I mean, even to some degree in, in, in you know, Christianity and, and Western beliefs too, the idea of you reap what you sow, which is what even the elders tell, tell him. And so they... It, it, it is the elders who convey a, an often, often quoted <laughs> near-death experience sort of line that you came back because you have a purpose to fulfill, that you haven't, haven't completed your, your work here. And that certainly seems to be the case. I mean, that's, that's what people often report having had near-death experiences. And so... There you get towards the end this, this, I thought, a very interesting way to close the story and, and just an inter- interesting idea in general that, that he is an atheist and he thought that consciousness ends when the body dies, but he says that you don't have to believe in God, but you have to deal with karma. And I think that is a very, very wise thing to say. <laughs> I mean, we will be confronted with the consequences of our actions, both good and bad. It's, it's, you can say you don't believe in it, but it's a reality that you have to face nonetheless. And perhaps the same is for God or, or some kind of, some kind of, karmic justice i mean it's a very i guess pragmatic way of, of looking at life and 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 certainly certainly you know a atheist as much as a dogmatic believer can have a, a near death experience and and have imagery there's a quote i quite like which jung had uh, engraved on on the doorway to his house. In in Latin, it is vocatus atque non vocatus Deus aderet. And the translation of that is called or uncalled, God is present. And I love that because it is it is recognizing that some things we have to deal with whether or not we believe in them. And in Jung's case, he was talking to the talking about he was referring to the reality of the psyche, the soul, that it is it is a reality, and and whether we not, <laughs> you can try not to dream when you fall asleep at night, but ultimately it's not up to you. 
Same thing goes with when we die or have a close brush with death. You know, you can can fight to your heart's heart's delight to to try not to have a near death experience, but ultimately it's not up to you, you know? You will see something, you might not see anything, you might be floating in a void, but it's there is a another that you have to reckon with another that determines the form and shape of your dreams the form and imagery and 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 patterns of a near death experience and often those will be forms and images that you provide it it will draw on things that presumably you are familiar with that you've collected throughout your life but you you have to deal with it <laughs> so i just find that very interesting and and it's it's particularly fascinating to be able to explore these other near death experiences that don't quite look like the ones that uh, we're used to here in in the west and, and coming from a christian context and i, I don't even think that it's really at its root necessarily something cultural but maybe more influenced by someone's personal beliefs because i mean we we did do an episode of of John and Sandy's near death experiences that was um last summer i think and like John John's experience was just a desert, right? He he found himself in a desert and there was a tree and the sense that there was someone else there. But, I mean, that was, he presumably was Western. Uh, I don't think he was particularly religious or having any strong belief system. And in other cases of, of, of you know, atheists or, or people who were, were not particularly religious, they still... They're still near-death experiences, and they kind of have a different tenor than than more religious people. So, it it ultimately might rest upon on one's beliefs, one's worldview, the imagery that that one experiences throughout one's life, and then there there could be cultural elements as well, which which start to shape and have certain influences on on what somebody sees but but regardless there is an autonomous factor a a factor which draws upon one's particular forms and images and and symbols to construct an experience and that can be something as simple as drawing on the um, home that you grew up with your grandmother in and and using that as a home base of an experience which unfolds to go into different places. I mean, it could be a great light. It can be Shenguan's near-death experience was a vast ocean we've seen people crossing rivers, you know, seen God as an eye, seen light beings, we've seen dark figures as well. 
so th- there's a wide variety, but the I think the interesting common element is the autonomous unconscious factor which determines what somebody sees. And perhaps people would call that God or some kind of divinity or the psyche or the unconscious or, or, or it doesn't really matter what you call it. it it's a reality, whether <laughs> a psychological reality, whether we like it or not, something that forms even our dreams. So they're not completely random. They have some co- coherence. They have some meaning, uh, especially for if, if you start to look at them for, for your well-being in your life. There's, there's a lot of meaning in, encoded in them. So to some degree, this, this podcast is an exploration of, of what that factor is and the different forms and motifs and symbols and images that it can express itself in. So here is, this is another entry on that, on that grand picture of, of whatever we are, whatever we are dealing with, if it is natural or supernatural or God or man, whatever it is. So thank you very much for listening today. If you want to send me an email, send me your near-death experience, you can do so at samreadsneardeathexperiences at gmail.com. Uh, you can join the Facebook page, uh, check us out on Spotify, YouTube. And if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a five-star review on iTunes because that really helps helps the podcast out and share it with a friend if, if you think someone might get something out of it. And now, as ever, we will close with a quote on death. Okay, so this quote is going to be coming from the I Ching, also known as the Book of Changes, which is an ancient Chinese text which is used for divination and oracle reading. And I actually bought a copy of the I Ching and, and used it, and it was very interesting, the result I got. But it's very old, believed to have been written by Fu Zi, uh, circa 2800 BC, so a very old book. And it has uh, 64 um, hexagrams, which you, by throwing coins or, or sticks, you you find which hexagram is the answer to your question. And you while you throw the coins, you, you have a certain question in mind. And so there was one quote that I quite liked, which I think has uh, a certain meaning for us, especially when thinking about death. This is coming from hexagram 54, which is the marrying maiden. Thus the superior man understands the transitory in the light of the eternity of the end.